Is it prudent to think that our kids can enjoy all the benefits of digital technology without any of the corruption, the addictions, and other risks associated with it? Are the risks worth the rewards? Is giving our kids unfettered access to smartphones wise for our families? In fact, is it even possible to tell when our kids are becoming eye slaves to their digital devices? And when we do suspect that our kids aren't managing their digital lives in a healthy and well-balanced manner, do we have what it takes to step in and help guide them toward such balance? For that matter, I should ask, how do we even determine between healthy digital interactions and unhealthy ones? That's a lot of questions, but what are the answers? And what does scripture have to say about this subject? We've often said that smart devices have become our children's other parent, but is it even worse than that? Have smartphones become their silicon god? Navigating the world of screens and teens. That's today on Licensed to Parent. Well, welcome, my friend. Thanks for tuning in once again to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with troubled teens. Our goal here on the program is to export some of what we learn so that you can be a more intentional parent and, we hope, avoid the need for residential care for your teen. Uh, I'm Rich Rosel. Joining me on the program, as always, is the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill Academy, Trace Embry. And Trace, we've had many different authors and parenting experts on the program that share your concerns about the potential harm that unfettered access to digital technology and I'd say particularly to smartphones, can bring to our kids. So share with our listeners, I guess, and with me, why we're doing it again. Why have we invited yet another author and expert in this area to join our conversation today? Yeah, I just don't think the subject can be discussed nearly enough. I mean, you can't talk about bringing up teens without talking about wise tech protocol. Uh, no more than you can talk about babies without bringing up a, a wise feeding protocol or diapers. I, I know it gets talked about, but... I just don't think it's given the time and attention it truly deserves to give parents an adequate understanding of what's really going on in the brain and in the hearts and minds of their kids, uh, in the spirit world for that matter, when there's not a wise digital protocol in the home. I also think that too many parents and even Christian leaders are sending kids mixed messages about this subject because while we try to do our best to train our kids to be godly and, and you know, know right from wrong, I, I believe that particularly with, with respect to unfettered access to smartphones, we're also allowing way too many of our kids to be negatively indoctrinated by these gadgets. Uh, but not only are they being indoctrinated by virtually every unvetted self-proclaimed pundit on everything from sex and drugs to religion and politics and everything in between, today's kids are being ostracized and exploited, exposed, demeaned, slandered, stalked, corrupted, abused, and virtually molested on myriad internet platforms like YouTube and Instagram and TikTok, just to name a few, uh, and not to mention all the myriad porn sites that they can see 24-7, uh, anytime they want to. I've heard all the arguments before, you know, like we need to train our kids to navigate these dangerous waters, you know, whether they're still in the home or they're going to go out and go nuts with it all when they leave the home. Listen, I totally agree that we do need to train our kids in these areas and help them with a wise digital protocol. But why isn't this same argument used with respect to other addictive vices? And meanwhile, we're giving our kids unfettered access to things that will provoke them to anger, exasperate them, and cause them to stumble via these addictive adult toys that we call smartphones. And I don't think we, we, we can merit it, not biblically, not scientifically, not logically, not philosophically. We're meriting it emotionally. Uh, look, is our first responsibility to our kids 
to train and protect them or to tempt them mm. with the warped training of other people we don't even know 24-7. And, and they're training them in the fine art of gratifying their flesh, not seeking the spiritual side of who they are. These are our kids, for heaven's sake. And just because our culture has seduced us into a systemic, foolhardy digital protocol for our kids, or lack thereof, doesn't necessarily mean that the protocol is God-ordained or even wise. Right, right. And by the way, I'm all for having ongoing conversations with our kids about wise internet interactions, the dangers of porn, uh, and tech etiquette in general. I want my kids to have access to the internet and even engage with age-appropriate social media. But I think that stuff can all be done on the family desktop or laptop that's equipped with proper safety features, time restraints, and in an open area in the house and with a parent in the home. I want my kids to have their own phones. I, I really do. People say, well, you're against kids. No, I'm not. I, I want them. I just don't think that's wise to give them unfettered access to their own smartphone 24-7. And beyond the protection of our kids... I think there's a very valid argument that in this age of high anxiety and the hustle bustle and the depression that goes with it, a parent's child-rearing duties need to be streamlined. Parents are exhausted, Rich. They can't possibly keep up with all the new apps and, and the other liabilities involved in the equation when kids are allowed to have their own unfettered access to smartphones. Today, entire ministries, with all good intentions, are devoted to helping parents keep up with all the latest entertainments, the apps, the cultural changes— that the internet is abusing our kids with. But even if this was humanly possible to do, how practical is it really? Especially as so many families are two-parent working families now. And, and that's if there's two parents in the home at all. I think these ministries are great. We still need them. I contribute content to these ministries and support them. But I don't see any of them telling parents to take their kid's smartphone away and exchange it with an internet-free phone. Rich, today's American culture is a child molester. Mm-hmm. Why would we train our kids not to eat chocolate and then give them a bag of M&Ms to carry around in their pockets all day and all night? What <laughs> signal does that send them? Right. What position is that putting them in? We haven't thought this through. Yeah, well, it would put them in a horrible position and put us directly at odds with what Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer when he said to God the Father, lead us not into temptation. We shouldn't yeah. be leading our kids into temptation either, and, and we don't want to lead our kids there. But how do we make it all work? Well, to answer that question, we have invited Dr. Kathy Cook back on the program. Uh, Dr. Kathy is the founder and president of Celebrate Kids Incorporated, based in Fort Worth, Texas. She's co-founder of Ignite the Family and uh, is a featured speaker for great homeschool conventions. She's on the faculty of Summit Ministries and is a frequent presenter for CareNet, Axis, and a number of other organizations. Uh, Dr. Kathy earned a Ph.D. in reading and educational psychology from Purdue University. She was a tenured associate professor of education at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. And what, in my mind, puts her as an expert on child issues is she was a teacher of second graders. <laughs> oh, boy. And also a middle school coach. Uh, she's been a school board member as well before becoming a full-time conference and keynote speaker back in the 1990s. I will uh, finish her introduction by saying, in her, quote, spare time, she has managed to write six books, including her latest called Start With the Heart, How to Motivate Your Kids to Be Compassionate, Responsible, and Brave Even When You're Not Around. But we have asked her here to discuss one of her other popular books called Screens and Teens, Connecting with Our Kids in a Wireless World. Well, Kathy, welcome back to Licensed to Parent. Well, I am excited to be here. And, I mean, really, Trace, tell us how you really feel about this stuff. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
<laughs> I loved all that information you shared, and I totally agree with you. Yeah, well, you know, I, I guess I'm passionate about it because I do see <laughs> kids uh, who, if you took their picture when they first came in and then took their picture when they leave a year later, uh, it's two different kids. Uh, mm -hmm. Follow mm -hmm. them around. It's, it's just two different kids. And I, I know that uh, every kid that, that comes here to Shepherd's Hill uh, is affected by digital technology, but particularly smartphones. I do want to talk to you about smartphones, but uh, they're just one of the screens that uh, so many kids are in front of every day. With all mm -hmm. the science that's now out and all the books and documentary films that have been done, have been the film Captivated was done uh, a lot of it done here at Shepherd's Hill, and, and and certainly your your book warns parents about excessive screen time and other digital liabilities. Why does it seem that so many kids are still allowed to spend so much unmonitored time in front of screens and keyboards? My quick answer to that is that I think parents are challenged to limit the time for their children when they realize they should limit their own time. Mm -hmm. So it really is the immaturity of the parent or the unwillingness of the parent to put down their own phone because they realize that if they would cut their children's use of, you know, time use um, or, you know, delete apps or whatever it is that they feel like they maybe should be doing, they really would have to do the same thing to themselves because of the, the necessary role model position that a parent takes. So I, when I talk to parents, I see a lot of pride, a lot of um, addiction on the parent side. And they're, frankly, you know, many parents, you, you and I know, many parents are fabulous, doing a really, really good job. And sure. there are some parents who have become quite lazy and are un they don't want to parent. They don't want to go to the hard place. They don't want to debate again with their kids. Yes, we need right. to realize that we're raising adults and we need to be parenting them so that they can be independent, uh, Christ followers, Christian worldview, wise people who can change the world for good. We, we need to parent so that we will be friendly with them later, not yeah, friends with right. them today. And that's, that's huge. What can your book, uh, screens and teens bring to the table that is still left unaddressed by most books written on this subject? Well, thanks for asking that. What I've done is looked at what I call the five lies that technology is teaching our children. So I'm really concerned about heart development. There are people who have written whole books about how the brain is changed by technology, and that's relevant, and I address that very briefly in my book. But as an example, I believe one of the lies technology has taught children, teens, and us, if we're not careful, is that we deserve to be happy all the time. Oh, boy. And that's oh, a lie yes. from the devil. We don't deserve happiness. No one does. And if you try to be happy all the time, you'll actually be quite miserable. That's because, right. you know, it's, it's manipulation. And, but why we think that we can be happy all the time because, you know, of Google.com and search engines and GPS and the reboot button. I tell kids all the time, like, I'm grateful for the reboot button. If my internet goes out, unplug it, plug it back in. Like, that's amazing. But your heart does not come with the reboot button. Right. What you saw, you saw. What you thought, you thought. What you said, you said. And you can't wake up tomorrow and pretend that didn't happen. But they're believing that they operate like the system in their hand, if you will, and it's a lie. So that's just one of the five lies. But we're, we don't, so joy, right? Joy for believers. That's, that's rich. That's compelling. Exactly and that changes right. you. Well, happiness is contingent upon happenings. Joy, mm -hmm. I have a son buried on Shepherd's Hill, and I went to his mm -hmm. funeral not very happy, but I mm. never lost my joy. Joy is an internal thing. It's a, it's a spiritual thing. It's a God thing, and it's not contingent upon happenings. And one of the mistakes that, you, like you say, the parents make is they think if Junior's smiling, they're succeeding as a parent. And that's not necessarily true because even laughter of the heart may ache, as, as Proverbs has said. 
And of course, happiness is a pleasurable thing. But John Rockefeller made a statement uh, back in the day, long before digital technology. He says, I could think of nothing less pleasurable than a life devoted to pleasure. Mm. Uh, we, we've pleasured our kids into imbecility. And mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely true. Uh, but I think we've pleasured ourselves in imbecility as well. I'm so. curious about this. Is there a proper place for non-pleasure, for pain, for feeling the blues and those things? I, th- I think about this. If I'm a painter and I have a canvas and I paint the entire canvas white because that represents happiness, that's a pretty boring painting. Do I appreciate the white more if there are other colors mixed in? So is psychologically, Kathy, is there a need for the balance between the highs and lows? That is a profound question. Absolutely. You know, biblically, we know from Romans 3 and other passages that we mature when we walk through the valleys. You know, don't sit down. But the, the scripture teaches us that when you have challenging experiences, your character grows and your faith deepens. Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons that we have an immature generations, plural, young people dropping their faith, dropping out of church, not believing in God anymore, is because they have done a U-turn at the beginning of every valley. Well, that's good. Because their goal is to stay happy. But that's, that's right. why they're immature and that's why they don't know how to persevere and they don't know that, that wonderful joy of, of accomplishing something that you worked for. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think, I think your question is really an excellent question. I don't believe that God promises a life um, free of pain. I think that he, in us, gives us a different attitude toward the pain, and that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. I'm better for the challenges I've experienced, and I'm sure you two gentlemen are as well. Yes. Well, in every gym, you see a sign that says, no pain, no what? No gain. No, no, no gain. gain, right. right. We're coming up on a break, uh, but uh, we'll be right back. We will indeed. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Dr. Kathy Cook, founder and president of Celebrate Kids Incorporated. You can find her work on her website at celebratekids.com. And we're talking about a book that's uh, been out for a couple of years now called Screens and Teens, Connecting with Our Kids in a Wireless World. Back with more License to Parent right after this. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteen.org, click on resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Helpmytroubledteen.org. Your children are teens now. They're growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. 
They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology. Issues that affect health, wellness, ability to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at Licensed to Parent, we want you to choose a wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at LicensedToParent.org slash wisephone. Listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, and you'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And we're talking today with Dr. Kathy Cook. She's a previous guest on Licensed to Parent, and we always like having her on because she has uh, has done so much in, well, especially in the field of screens and teens, which is the title of the book we're talking about today, and and looking into the effect of uh, some of the smart technology and, and the use of computers in the home and that sort of thing, the effect that that's having on our kids. And Kathy, uh, during the break, I was, I was asking briefly about something we mentioned at the start of the program, and that was addiction. Um, there, there's one thing to use your phone too much, let's say, uh, but there's quite another thing if it's maybe turned the corner and you really have developed something of an addiction to this. Um, how do we as parents know if it's gone too far? How do we know if our kids may actually be addicted to this technology? I think the easiest way to look at that is if they argue a lot and they're angry a lot and if nothing else satisfies them. Mm-hmm. That, that would be what I would look for, and those would be the warning signs, and then I would seek help, and I would make some changes. Okay, now when you say if they're angry all the time, you're not talking about only if they're angry because you say put your phone down, but you're saying if, if over the course of life in general they're frequently angry, that that would be a sign to look for. There's an undercurrent of, of anger and never being satisfied, mm-hmm. um, always having to be right, those kinds of things, especially if you haven't seen that before. But those are, those are changes of the heart that are right. caused by the technology that we've allowed them to use. And we can make a difference here. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, here's the $6 million question. I ask it to a lot of different people. Why does any minor need to possess unfettered access to his own smartphone 24-7 when even our government says he can't pull the lever on a slot machine until he's 21? Yeah, for sure. They, they don't. You know, that's obviously the answer. There can be a sibling phone that they change. And so if your daughter has a babysitting job, she gets to sign the phone out that night. If your son has a soccer practice and needs to be able to reach you, he gets the phone that night. There can be ways that we give them the opportunity to feel safe and secure and to be able to get in contact with us. But I would also say that those of us who are older, good heavens, we didn't have you know, 24-7 access to our parents when we needed them. We found a way to get a hold of them. So that's not even a good excuse. No, they don't no. need it. They can borrow it when they need it. Educationally, there are other ways to get them what it is that they need. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, you're, argue- you're talking about being able to be in contact with the parents, which is also different than what a smartphone brings to the table. They just Yeah. Right. I'm all for giving Junior a phone. I it just but to have mm-hmm. internet access on it twenty four seven is insane. Right. 
Right. They don't, they don't need those apps. They don't need social media on their phone. I've had a lot of young people, after listening to me, take it off and tell me a month later how much happier they are. And they won't know that until they're brave enough to try. And if a parent would be brave enough to try along with them, you will get your family back. You will get your family yep. back. And that's what I hope and pray you want. I just had four of our kids uh, talk to someone the other day, and in all sincerity, they, they said, you know, they're going to be leaving uh, Shepherd's Hill in a few months. They don't even want it back. It's mm-hmm. a stressor for them. And there's a, there's a grassroots movement now where uh, being unplugged for teenagers, there's, I mean, th- these kids are starting this on their own. Uh, it's cool to be unplugged. And um, th- it's like the ultimate uh, act of independence for them. Uh, stick in the eye to the establishment, so to speak. And so they're, they're really pushing this. Uh, I think, you know, when you've, when you've had enough uh, of the hocus pocus that goes with it, you've had enough and, and they can make their own decisions. So when studies show that content that's, that's read from a real book made out of paper and ink is retained better than content read from a screen, just the fact that so many Silicon Valley executives send their kids to Waldorf schools to educate them with paper and ink, should that be telling something to parents and educators alike? <laughs> Oh my goodness! Uh, don't get me started. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's too late. I think we just did. <laughs> well, it's it is a huge concern. Um, we don't take notes as well on devices as we do with a, a pen and paper. Mm-hmm. We don't read as deeply on a device. Even those of us who know how to read already don't read as well, comprehend as long, or comprehend as well, remember as long, or apply as accurately. Solid research. Then you put on that children and teens who are still developing their reading skills. It's ridiculous. Although I have to say it, I, I'm really concerned for the number of children who are on devices for education right now, and they don't really, maybe they don't feel like they have a choice. So I don't want, I don't want parents to be panicking right now. However, you're correct. We need to be reading um, pay, books with pages that turn where we can go back and, now wait, didn't he contradict himself two pages back? Didn't he say this? Right. And it's just that we, we read deeper with, um, with paper, I'm encouraged that paper books are outselling the e-reader books. You know, but mm-hmm. when e-reader stuff began a number of years ago, they everybody thought, oh, the death of the paper book. You know, the death Wrong. of the library, and that has not happened because people have figured out there's something beautiful about a book with pages that turn. Yeah. Well, there's I, a kinesthetic uh, uh, issue in the equation, right? I mm-hmm, mean, if you are mm-hmm. taking notes or whatever, I mean, you you are learning. Uh, multifacetedly. I, I was remembering, by the way, <laughs> yeah, that, that, we'll call it a word if it's not, but um, <laughs> I was remembering a uh, an advertisement, this has probably been 10 years or more ago, but um, from a computer manufacturer, I don't remember which one, but they were talking about taking the laptop to class. And mm-hmm. it showed somebody who was kind of kicked back in the lecture hall and they were listening to the lecture. Meanwhile, it, the camera pans over and looks at the at the screen, and the computer is recording and transcribing notes. And it's like, so you know, here with this new computer, you'll you know you'll have notes. You can sit and listen and concentrate. And I guess there's, I know people for years have taken you know small recorders to class with them. But Trace, uh, to your point about the kinesthetic aspect of books, there's also a kinesthetic aspect to learning, is there not? Whereby, mm-hmm. if I'm taking notes and I've got this muscle memory of having written it down, I've heard it, I've seen what's on the board, so all those things are working together to help me learn it. Whereas if the technology is doing it for me, you know, then there's a much slimmer chance that I'm going to retain any of this. You're not working out those brain muscles, right? And then there's also the reality that for students, 
and even for some adults, devices are their toys. Right. And so here they are in class, and they're on a device, but their device is their toy. It's where they game. It's where they scroll social media. It's where they, they get to control what they want to do. They're used to multitasking and having many screens open and never having to focus on anything. So it's, it's the distraction factor of the screen in front of you that also is a detriment to the learning. I, I would absolutely encourage everyone to go back to pen and paper and paper books as much as you possibly can. And if students and even adults are taking classes where they're forced online, you know, we respect that. Um, there's so much Zoom calls going on and things like that. But again, then we can add paper to that and we can still make sure that we're studying from a paper and pen experience even if we listened originally over a screen, if that makes sense. Yeah. No. Totally. Makes perfect sense, but I yeah. want to encourage parents to push back on this. They, they can go to the school board meetings. They can actually get some of yes. this stuff done. Uh, it's already been proved to be a failure uh, where, where it's uh, been pushed. Steve Jobs himself said, and I'm quoting this, I've probably spearheaded giving away more computer equipment to schools than anybody on the planet, but I've come to the conclusion that the problem is not one that technology can hope to solve. What's wrong with education can't be fixed with technology. No amount of technology will make a dent. How important is it to have ongoing conversations about digital use without looking like a neurotic about it? And what might this look like? Mm, it's very important. I teach parents that you need to have ongoing discussions and not one conversation about everything that's tough because things change. We experience new ideas. Our kids experience new ideas. And we need to be able to bring things up and, hey, what have you noticed? And what have you noticed about me? What have you noticed about culture? Absolutely. No, it's it's tough, and therefore we need to talk about it often. I think it's one of those things where you know if you if you hit them with a fire hydrant's worth of water, that's too much to drink. But if you'll have the ongoing conversation, that's mm -hmm. the glass of water here and the glass of water there. I yeah. guess it's easier to swallow. So good point. Yeah, very very good. good Thank you, Kathy, for uh, for being with yes, us today. Listen, um, this this book I think came out in in 2015 called Screens and Teens: Connecting with Our Kids in a Wireless World. Uh, I'm going to guess, since we barely scratched the surface, that uh, folks can still get that. Uh, I believe I've seen it on Amazon. So uh, might that be a good read for the parents who are facing this? I certainly think so. And the, the book is not dated because the book is not about technology. The book is about how technology influences our heart and our mind. Right. And so I don't talk about apps. So in that regard, it's not a book that will ever be dated. If you care about the relationship you have with your kids, if you care about who they are becoming, then absolutely it's a book that will be uh, informative and a uh, very practical read. Excellent, excellent. Amen. And before Amen. we go, I want to mention uh, the book called Start with the Heart, How to Motivate Your Kids to Be Compassionate, Responsible, and Brave. And I love the last part of the title, Even When You're Not Around, <laughs> yeah. published by Moody back in March. So we would encourage folks to pick up a copy of that and take a look as well. Kathy, uh, we're talking today with Dr. Kathy Cook, uh, who is the founder and president of Celebrate Kids uh, Incorporated, based in Fort Worth, Texas, also a co-founder of Ignite the Family. And uh, again, you can find uh, more about her and her work on the website, CelebrateKids.com. Dr. Kathy Cook, thank you so much for being on Licensed to Parent. God bless you, ma'am. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. 
And you can find us on our website, LicensedToParent.org. And while you're there, you can hear all of our past conversations, including past times that Kathy has been with us. You can also check out some free parenting videos as well as Trace's blog. And remember, we produce this program to help you become more proactive in the parenting choices you make so that you can raise physically, mentally, and spiritually healthy future adults. However, some of the kids that uh, are coming up these days may be struggling emotionally or spiritually, and those families may need the help that we offer at our residential program, Shepherd's Hill Academy. But in order to afford residential care, they need your help. Your tax-deductible gifts in any amount can help provide scholarships to needy families and help make the difference in a hurting child's life. So please consider donating today to License to Parent on behalf of Shepherd's Hill. You can do so by clicking the Donate tab at LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to join us again next time and renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.